Thank you, youth group, for sharing your gifts with us this morning, leading us in, in worship. We turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning at verse 13, as we look at the theme of endurance in suffering. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning at verse 13. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved, with the result that they always fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the utmost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short while, in person, not in spirit, were all the more eager with great desire to see your face. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation, is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray that you would take now the words that you have given us here by the inspiration of your spirit. And we pray, Lord, that you would guide us into your truth. We know that your word is indeed everlasting truth. I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, would be pleasing in your sight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As I look back on my life and some of the opportunities I had to play in sports, I have many positive memories, and some that are probably not so positive memories. I think, for example, when I was in junior high and it was August and we were starting football practice on those hot, hot days with sore, sore muscles, <laughs> they were difficult days. And I can still remember how with each and every day the, the team got smaller and smaller and smaller. <laughs> the guys saying to themselves, I didn't really think it was going to be this hard. This really isn't that fun. And so off they would go and do their own thing. But you know, it wasn't easy to be a Christian in the first century city of Thessalonica. And it's interesting how many times Paul mentions the suffering that either he or the Thessalonians had faced. Just note some of them with me. Chapter 1, verse 6. He says, you also became imitators of us and the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation with the joy of the Holy Spirit. 
Chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. Verse 14 of our text says, For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, for you also endured the same sufferings. And you can read through the rest of the letter, and that theme just keeps coming up over and over again. The difficulty, the challenge, the suffering for being a Christian in that city in those days. So life was far from easy for these believers, and yet Paul says that they endured it. And so we want to ask the question, how did they endure such suffering? What was it that enabled them to face persecution for the sake of Jesus and not throw in the towel and quit and say, I didn't sign up for this? Well, first of all, notice that we endure suffering because God's word is within us. Notice how he begins in verse 13. He says, For this reason we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is. The Word of God which also performs its work in you who believe. You see, the Bible is different from every other book ever written in this world. 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And when Paul talks about the Bible being inspired of God, he is not saying that simply that it inspires us, though that would be true. But rather what he's saying here is that the Word of God being inspired by God means literally that it is God-breathed. In fact, the New International Version translates it that way in 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is God-breathed. So when we read the Bible, we must understand that we are not reading the Word of men. We are reading the Word of God because it comes from the very mouth of God, the very breath of God. It is indeed God's Word. And the Thessalonians believers understood this. They recognized this. Paul said, you accepted it not as the Word of men, but for what it really is, the Word of God. And because it was the Word of God, Paul says that it performs its work in you who believe. That's a very interesting phrase, that phrase, performs its work. It's really a word that was a favorite of Paul's. It was used in the New Testament primarily to describe something that is supernatural. The supernatural work of God. It's the Greek word energeo, from which we get our English word energy. God's word is like energy. More than the energizer bunny, huh? You know that bunny that just keeps going and going? God's word keeps working and working. 
And it does, Paul says, it does its work in you who believe. What does it do? God's Word saves us. James chapter 1, verse 18. God's Word sanctifies us. John 17, 17. God's work matures us, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. God's word frees us, John 8, 31 and 32. God's word perfects us, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. God's word counsels us, Psalm 119, verse 24. God's word builds us up, Acts 20, verse 32. God's word ensures spiritual success, Joshua 1, 8. And it gives us hope, Acts 20, 32. Did you get all that? That's just the start. (laughs) That is just the beginning of what God's Word does in the hearts and lives of those who believe. It is a powerful Word. This Bible, this Word is different from any other book that's ever been written because it performs something wonderful in our lives. Now, if you look what Paul goes on to say in verse 14... He says that this Word of God, this powerful Word of God, enables them to endure suffering. Because notice how verse 14 begins with the word for, F-O-R. This Word performs its work in you who believe for you, brethren. You became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, for you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews. So what Paul is saying here is that the Word of God within us is what gives us the strength to endure times of suffering. It is a powerful Word that works within us. The wife of a Zulu chief had attended a Salvation Army meeting And she responded to the good news of the gospel and received Jesus as her Savior. But her husband was not very happy. And he threatened her, if you go back and listen to that preaching again, you are a dead woman. Threatened to kill her. Well, the gospel had done such a powerful work in her life that she could not stay away. She went back and on her way home, he met her and beat her thought she was dead. He came back a few hours later in curiosity and noticed that she was still alive. And so he said to her, And what can your Jesus do for you now? And she looked at him and said, He enables me to forgive you. That's what my Jesus does for me now. Times of suffering, it's God's powerful word that works within us. Praise God for that. Second thing we notice, we endure suffering because God's people are with us. When we face suffering in the Christian life, it is easy to become focused on ourselves, which is exactly what Satan wants us to do. He wants to isolate us and make us think that we are the only ones who are facing suffering. Remember Elijah? Called down fire from heaven on Mount Carmel. Remember that day and swallowed up the sacrifice and the water and sat on the altar? 
And then Jezebel basically threatened Elijah, and he took off running. And remember, he was hiding in that cave, and the Lord came to him and said, Elijah, what are you doing here? Oh, he said, I've been zealous for the Lord. You know, everybody else has forsaken him, and I'm the only one left. And what God said, really? <laughs> really, Elijah? You think you're the only one going through suffering? You think you're the only one who has not bowed their knee to Baal? God said, I have 7,000 others. Just like you. You are not the only one, Elijah. You're not the only one. If you want to know how the churches in Judea handled suffering, Paul mentions here in verse 14, he said, you became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, for you also endured the same sufferings as they did. In other words, they were not the only ones going through suffering. Paul says, think of the churches in Judea. If you want to know what the churches in Judea went through, take a look at the book of Acts, because it explains clearly what they went through. It included the stoning of Stephen, the murder of James, the imprisonment of Peter, as well as all the persecution that Paul himself had brought on that church before he was saved. And so Paul knew what he was talking about. They had gone through suffering, but the churches in Judea had gone through the same type of suffering as they did. They were not alone. Warren Worsby says Paul encouraged the suffering Christians by assuring them that their experiences were not new or isolated. Others had suffered before them and were even then suffering with them. The churches in Judea had not been exterminated by suffering. If anything, they had been purified and increased. Because what happened when that great persecution came upon the church? They were scattered everywhere. And what did they do? They preached the word. It didn't snuff out the church. Their suffering brought about the growth of the church. And Paul says to the Thessalonians, what you are going through now, the believers in Judea, they understand they're suffering right along with you. The Apostle Peter writes the same thought in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9. He talks about resisting the devil firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. There is a certain fellowship of suffering. And if you're suffering for your faith today, you are not the only one. There are people all over the world that are standing up for Jesus Christ and are willing to face that suffering. So God's people suffer with us. My dad told me one time he was visiting with a young, discouraged pastor who was faithful to preach the Word, and he had some in his congregation that were really giving him a hard time. And as he shared his story, my dad basically told him these words. He said, join the club. He said, what? He said, join the club. 
You mean you face that? Oh, yeah. Yes, 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 I do. So we aren't the only ones. And that's what Paul says to the Thessalonian believers. God's people are with us in this. We are not alone in this. We face this suffering together. So we can endure suffering because God's Word is within us. We can endure suffering because God's people are with us. And then thirdly, Paul says, we endure suffering because God's glory is before us. God's glory is before us. Look at verse 17. He says, But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short while, in person, not in spirit, We're all the more eager with great desire to see your face, for we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. Then he goes on to say, For what is our hope or joy or crown or exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? For you are our glory joy. So Paul is looking back and describing how his time with the Thessalonians had been cut short because his life was in danger. And from what we know from the book of Acts, it was probably just a few weeks that he spent with them. And yet the bond that he had with these believers was very, very deep. Although gone in person, Paul says he was not gone in spirit. He was with them in this time. He had tried many times to come to to be with them, but he was prevented from doing so. And yet he didn't live in regret and remorse, but rather he looked ahead and rejoiced. He looked forward to the day when they would stand, in verse 19, in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming. And Paul says, that is our hope. That's our joy. That's what we look forward to, standing in the presence of Jesus Christ with you Thessalonians who have come to know Him too. Warren Wiersbe says, in times of trouble and testing, it is important that we take the long view of things. Paul lived in the future tense as well as in the present tense. His actions were governed by what God would do in the future. He knew that Jesus Christ would return and reward him for his faithful ministry. And on that day, the the saints from Thessalonica would bring glory to God and joy to Paul's heart. Taking the long view, he describes it. I've been thinking about that this week. How often do we take the long view? How often do we think of of heaven? How often does our mind think of the, the day when Jesus comes again? We take the short view so much, don't we? We're so caught up in the the things of life today, so wrapped up in all the things I need to do today, and we miss out on the joy of Living in light of eternity. Living in light of the fact that Jesus Christ is going to come again. And when we think of that, then when we're facing the times of suffering and persecution and challenge, 
We know that one day, what? It's going to be worth it all, right? When we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. The hymn writer says, One glimpse of His dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. When I want to take my wife out for supper, she likes if I tell her long in advance. Because if I come home, you know, 3 o'clock, got anything planned for supper? Yeah. Or no. Let's go out. She wants to enjoy that the whole day, right? Thinking, I don't have to cook tonight. We get to go out for supper tonight. There's something about looking forward to something special like that. Just think of looking forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Looking forward to being with Jesus. Isn't that what Paul is getting at here? This world is not our home. We are just passing through. And we await the day when we stand before God in all His glory. When the race has been finished. When the battle has been won. We can say, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is awaiting what? The crown of, of life. The crown of glory in the presence of Jesus. So if you're facing suffering today because you love the Lord, don't throw in the towel. Don't say, I didn't sign up for this. This is part of the Christian life. And we are going to face, I would just about guarantee you, we are going to face more suffering in days to come. We're going to face challenges in our country of, of standing up for righteousness, standing up for truth, Standing up for the Word of God and, and Jesus Christ as our Savior. But we don't need to throw in the towel and, and quit. It will be worth it all. We endure because of God's Word within us. We endure because of God's people with us. And we endure because God's glory is before us. Let's pray. Thank You, Lord, for the power of Your Word that performs its work in those who believe. Thank you for the encouragement of other believers that we are not alone in this world. And the suffering that we face has been faced by many others and is being faced by many others. And just as you have given them the strength, O oh God, to endure, you will be with us as well. And thank you, Lord, that we can take the long view recognizing that it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Lord, help us to be willing to suffer for Your sake. Willing to stand in a culture that wants to throw the Scripture away. Oh God, help us to be bold in Your strength and in Your power. For we pray in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen.